Lund, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away, whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoy Lean. DeCam says, give me that, a pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way, bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around, corner, pocket, cash for Lund. back it is all umac from here on out so many things to chew on from the results from this past saturday as always ryan alongside wyatt and i don't know how much we have to go still wyatt i'm thinking right now in my head how many games are maybe left but you know we got to get into a groove here new year umac play is back how you doing wyatt yeah, I'm doing well. If you're going UMAC games, I believe it should be 11 uh, remaining okay. in the regular season here because they, you know, played the three and you got the uh, seven teams that you play against. So uh, unless they have some new rule I'm not aware of, which, you know, they, they've done that from time to time, adding more teams into the playoff and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, no, that should be the case. So we're really at the point now where you're getting to that moment where you could almost start to separate the contenders from the pretenders at this point now i'm not going to go that far but uh, after this next weekend uh, the playoff picture is really going to start to take shape so it's going to be a big uh, stretch coming up and that's why this past weekend was just as important even though it was the one game and there were a lot of surprising results a lot to get into here tonight yeah you're the math guy wyatt so i do uh, appreciate you quickly on the fly figuring out those numbers and I don't have any uh, particular preference for how we hop into this whole thing, so I will uh, defer to you. How do you want to jump into these results? We'll sprinkle in some other things throughout as well, but we had eight games that took place this past Saturday. I mean, compelling stuff on the men's side, on the women's side. Where do you want to go first? Yeah, no, I, you know what you've been saying this year is uh, ladies first, and uh, I think we got to continue that trend. So why don't we start uh, out in St. Bonifacius? So this was maybe one of the more surprising results, I think, uh, on the weekend. We had talked about this game leading up to What did we say about Crown Ryan? We said they've got to start hitting the three if they want to have success. Boy, did they do that. Nine of 22, much more efficient. Uh, lots of production from the top two, the power two, if you want to call them that. 51 of the 72 points, Maddie Hecox and Mackenzie Latsky. So what a performance from those two. How big of a win is this in your eyes for Crown and for a new head coach in Bridgeport Tussler uh, to just kind of maybe get some momentum for their program even? Big time, big time wide. I mean, especially in your first home game and you're saying, you know, this is a Morris team that obviously is dangerous, even though the record may not show it. They got a ton of experience, but we don't want to go in an 0-3 hole. And I mean, we talked about going into this one. Somebody's always got to go. Somebody was going to pick up a win. Maybe it's a loser yep. lose town match and we'll maybe get to that in a moment. But I don't know if we necessarily saw it trending this way, but you were all over it, Wyatt. I mean, you know, eventually you're going to just flat out die by the three and not live by it because they just haven't been dropping at the rate that they would like them to. And you hit 41% of your triples, you give yourself an opportunity. And that just kind of feels like it had to be the recipe and it's going to have to be the recipe moving forward for Crown. And, you know, shout out to Latsky and Hecox, as you mentioned, and especially Mackenzie Latsky, six of nine from downtown. I mean, what a performance for her, but you know, Hecox outdid her and had the most field goal attempts, got to the line the most. Both of them only were off the floor for a couple of minutes. So those are going to be the horses for crown. And in a matchup like that at home, when you need some offense against a quality team, a really good defense, it's going to make it tough on you in the middle and you're going to have to shoot over the top. Job well done to coach Bridgeport Tussler. That's a big win for him. Yeah, no, they uh, got a huge win to get to one and two. We both got this prediction wrong. Season-long prediction, now I'm 16-8, you're 13-11 after this uh, this past Saturday, and I still want to bump those numbers up a little bit, but with all these results, I mean, I still feel like I'm picking the teams I would pick if the teams yeah. played again. It's just working out the way it is. And so, uh, you know, on the flip side for Morris, how do you view this? 
for them because they had so many aspirations coming into the season. They're now 0-3 in conference play. They can still turn it around. I don't know what it is. There just seems to be something missing. I'm not watching the games, and maybe I should go back and watch the footage. There's something that just isn't quite there right now, and I can't figure out what it is for Morris. Yeah, well, you know, I look back at how they were able to win and what really got them jump-started when they were making their run late in February a season ago and what propelled them to that UMAC final. And we talked about it coming into this matchup, how there had been some games where they weren't really taking real great care of the basketball. And I said it's got to start with their defense to propel their offense. Well, if you told Coach Grove and his staff you're going to put up 70 on the road, when they were at their best or near their best at the end of last season, that was enough. And that can be enough a lot of nights. But they coughed it up 22 times, Wyatt. I don't know what it is, and you got to give some credit to Crown for that, obviously. But for this experienced of a team in a game you got to have, and I didn't see the footage and whatnot like you mentioned, Wyatt, and I was yep. doing other things at the time. So I don't know the full story, but that's tough, Wyatt. 22 turnovers in a game that you really want to have when your offense, honestly, feels like it does enough when you shoot 47% from the field to still lose a game where you score 70. That's a tough pill to swallow for Morris. Yeah, like, I mean, you look at the box score just from the numbers. I mean, they shot the free throw well. They scored 70 points. They were efficient. Uh, They just didn't get enough stops. I mean, Crown's had a tough time scoring. They started to knock down the three in this game, and they're able to get the win. So congrats to Crown. Tough one for Morris. And uh, it's going to be an important two games now for them. It was going to be regardless, but even more so now, heading into this upcoming weekend of play. Because, I mean, at 0-3, I mean, we're at the point, Ryan. I mean, this is getting dangerously close to hitting the panic button if it's not already, already there. So where is their panic level if you're a Morris fan at this point, in your opinion? Is that, I mean, are you hitting the button? Is it bright red? I mean, where are we at at this point at 0-3? Yeah, you know, I like to say the three lights. I think one red light is flashing right now, and it's not more dire than that because, you know, what they still have in their back pocket, what I mentioned so often, why it is they still haven't dropped serve yet at home. They haven't had a home game yet. So I know you don't want to start on uh-huh. three, obviously, but their home stretch starts this Friday against Northland, and then they'll see Superior and what will be a fascinating one on Saturday. And we'll talk about that in a future pod. But I'm concerned, but I'm not ultra worried yet if I'm a Morris player, coach, or supporter because, all right, we're getting back into the friendly confines. Can that get us going a little bit? Because until you start to drop games at home, I think you can still point to that and say, all right, we can get things going at home. Now, later tonight, we're going to discuss some teams where it's a tough start and they're dropping multiple games at home. So that's that's a whole different story that we'll get to a little bit later. Well, let's go to our next one on the women's side, and this is an interesting one for a couple of reasons. Bethany Lutheran hosting Martin Luther. You back the Knights once again, Ryan, and they let you down yet again. And honestly, this really wasn't a game it's not as bad as the Georgia TCU game from the start by any means I mean it's not that bad but it was 22 to 6 after one and uh, they never really had a chance in this one it felt like what do you got to say about the Knights and uh, this this performance Uh, they they just keep on disappointing you. you keep coming back though I know and I've been trying to believe in them as long as I can and I believe in the roster and coach Garish and what I was hearing going into the season and the experience and all of it and it's just not coming to fruition as I envisioned it and as I'm sure so many Knights players and fans envisioned it as well. So give credit to Bethany. I know they're going with some transition and changeover as they head from 2022 into 2023 as far as who's going to be on the floor and playing big roles. I mean, the big names producing well. I mean, Ashley Shindell is shooting a whopping 19 shots. She's known as a three-point shooter. She only makes one of them, but she finds a way to still get 21 points and six boards, so that's big. And then the likes of Kotke and Cotton and names that we've heard before in the past contributing as well. So, yeah, it's one, Wyatt, where I felt like this could be the opportunity for Martin Luther to find a way to pick up a much-needed win because now they sit at 0-3, and it's a similar conversation with what we had talking about Minnesota Morris just a little bit ago. But the thing with Martin Luther is their first two games in UMAC play were at home. So, yeah, this one was on the road, but they've already dropped two home games. So that hurts in something that Morris can say, well, at least we haven't dropped one at home yet. And then as far as Bethany goes, it's not the same outlook. Like I mentioned, they're dealing with some things in a transitional period as far as who's going to be on the floor for them. So they're saying, you know what, we're right in the thick of it. Yeah, we wish we had one more more than four of our first 14 games as I look at their record here. But at the same time, 
you know, everything's in front of them. Nothing's really changed as far as aspirations for Bethany goes. So give credit to Coach Jones-Wide. I mean, we find a lot out about especially the experienced coaches in the game of college basketball at any level. When you lose some experience and you lose a dominant player and you have a different-looking squad coming back the next year, how do you adjust to that? And we'll really see how good of a coach you are if you want to label it that way. So big win for Bethany, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about my Knights, White. I don't know. They still they still feel like they got the names and the personnel that you need, and it's just not happening right now. So I'm interested to see them in uh, person, Lord willing, on Friday night. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, transition period for Bethany right now. I mean, we, we don't know what's going on with their roster exactly, uh, I mean, to the full extent and just different things, but what can they do moving forward? And they still have a uh, big aspiration, so to see them be able to do it, get a 22-point win, move to 2-1, and one, certainly looks good for Coach Jones and the Vikings. And uh, like you said, Martin Luther, uh, for whatever reason, just has not quite clicked there yet. And uh, are, you, are you still thinking it can at this point? Are you close to saying playoff hopes might be coming to an end? I mean, what do they need to do over the course of the next two weeks, let's say? Do they got to go 2-2 two and two at least, 3-1? and one? I mean, where do they need to be at the halfway point? Yeah, it feels like they can't go any worse than 2-2 two and two in the next couple weeks, and it's going to be tough this weekend at Northwestern and then less than 24 hours later at North Central, and then you get a couple home games against Crown and Morris. So it's not over by any stretch but like I said I mean I'll have a much further opinion about them when we do our recap for week three because lord willing I'll see them in person on Friday so yeah I'm interested to see how they look with my own two eyes you say lord willing again that's something you just always say is there yeah. actually concern there won't be no. a game on just something you I, say as I just want to make I know sure they're gonna play I, and I hope to be there but I don't take anything for granted and we'll see well, if I'm there Friday and I know that, but that's that's why I just ask because it's not like yeah. we're, we just want to no. make clear they're gonna they're gonna play as far as we know and everything's yes. okay. Yeah, I don't so, want to start a rumor. Yes, correct. So we had the battle of unbeaten's, the game that you had in uh, the Erickson Center on Saturday between the Eagles and the Rams. I'm gonna turn it over to you right away. 73-64, Northwestern gets the win. Tell me what you saw. Yeah, I mean, what a range of emotions in this game-wide. I mean, so much coming into it, and Northwestern came ready to play early. They were shooting the lights off from downtown early. I think they hit four of their first five three balls, great ball movement, and North Central was really just on skates defensively trying to keep up with it and then trying to get into a rhythm of their own. And the big story in the opening quarter was their starting post player, uh, Caitlin Vanderplug, picks up her third foul late in the first quarter which then turns into a fourth foul because she was frustrated about the call where she thought she got a clean block on Grace Landvik pounds the ball into the ground right in front of the referee bam she's teed up she has four fouls to end the first quarter so then coach Zabla and her assistants are looking at each other like okay we didn't prepare for this I mean what do we do from here in a matchup where we already knew we were compromised a little bit size wise and dealing with Northwestern who's not necessarily a big team but for North Central they are a smaller team and a lot of experience size that they had last year isn't back so it's like where do we go from here and I give them a ton of credit Wyatt for coming back the way they did if you want to say Northwestern let them back in a little bit sure you can say that the Eagles doing what they've done a lot this season come out really really strong to start the second half an 8-0 run in what felt like 90 seconds, maybe it was two minutes, and the Eagles are feeling real good. North Central presses pause. Slowly but surely, they work themselves back. It was interesting to see how they used um, Vanderplug in the second half. But, man, oh, man, why I did not know much about the freshman out of California, Maya Mabang. And mm-hmm. I wasn't doing exactly what my brain does on those big shots. I was resisting the urge. It kept going in my head to just say another bang for my bang because she had so many clutch jump shots down the stretch, especially in the fourth quarter for North Central. She willed them back, Wyatt, where they tied this game at 64 with just over a minute to go. And I'm looking around and fans are looking around, which, by the way, props to the Eric's. I mean, there's more people in that building than I thought there would be. So both the Rams fans and Eagles fans, job well done. I mean, it wasn't fantastic but it was better than I thought it'd be so anyway she kept him in the game hit a lot of big shots got hot down the stretch Joel Telso was on the bench for a lot of the fourth quarter which I could not figure out I mean they made a little bit of a run when she got a breather and then they just kept her there and at every time out I kept asking is she gonna come back is she gonna come back she's been really good from three-point land today she hasn't gotten many shots but she finishes the day five of ten and three of four from downtown I'm like wouldn't you want another shooter because Northwestern starts hedging really heavily and sending a second defender 
at Mabane, especially down the stretch, and trying to say, you're going to have to get rid of the basketball. Telso does eventually come in and whatnot. So I give you know Coach Zabla and her staff a lot of credit with their post player with four fouls, finding a way to push back in the game. I say all that, Wyatt. The story of this game still, bar none, was Lexi Hagen. With looking at the stats around the league, and I haven't seen everyone play in person, so I don't want to act like, you know, I know everything there is to know about all the players. You'd be hard-pressed to find. I would say right now she's the best player in the UMAC. With the different ways she can score, the way she affects the game defensively as well, which is probably underrated, and shout, she can flip a switch and just heat up in a hurry. She only had, I think it was six points at the half. She finishes with 29. Obviously, she was really good at the free throw line down the stretch to ice the game for Northwestern at 8 of 8. But when her jump shots are falling and she can, against most teams, get to her spots going downhill, pulling up for the mid-range, finishing with both hands, I mean, she can do basically whatever she wants offensively. Yeah, I think she's conference player of the year. Now, it's not one in January by any means, but I think she's got a great head start on everybody else in the conference with the way she's been playing. So that's exactly what I was going to bring up. That's really all I was going to add to what you said. That's why I turned it over to you, by the way. Great insight on everything you saw there from that game. And the Eagles, they go to 3-0 and at this point. Safe to say, I'm, I'm going to say it, it's their conference at this point to lose, in my opinion. Not let they're that far ahead of everybody else, but to me, they're starting to become the clear favorite with what we've seen so far this year. They're getting good balance with some scoring off the bench. Hagen, as we've just said, could easily be the conference player of the year. Seems like they got a lot working for him. And I'll keep bringing this up. Grace Landvig's still not playing as good as she's capable of. So yeah. once that happens, just how good can this team be? So I, I feel really good if I'm an Eagles fan about where you're at right now. Moving forward at 3-0, and giving yourself that cushion and uh, going to be a very tough team to beat. Now can they get onto the mountaintop after being close the last couple of years and finally complete the deal. On the flip side, if you're North Central, you bring up that deal with Caitlin uh, Vanderplug and just how it went down. could be a different game, obviously, if she doesn't get into that early foul trouble. So it'll be interesting to see that in the rematch when the two teams do meet up and something to consider from this game as a takeaway. And, uh, yeah, I mean, overall... I expected Northwestern to probably win a close game like we saw, so I'm not too uh, surprised by the outcome by any means. It was a good college basketball game, and the Eagles get the win on their home court. When in doubt, pick the home teams, am I right? Yeah, if you you want to go that direction, you can. I totally agree. (laughs) I totally agree with what you're saying, Wyatt, because, you know, Eagles fans and, you know, Coach Call and his staff are saying, you know what, theoretically we should only get better. Megan McGow's getting closer and closer, but she's not totally back into game shape yet. But she's still, like you said, Wyatt, the bench scoring that the Eagles have. She's coming off the bench to drop 13-9. and nine, And only two of those points came in the second half. I mean, she did most of her work in the first half. So you only think she's going to get into better shape and more acclimated for Northwestern. And then with how young they are, these sophomores are getting a lot of playing time and some of them who had, you know, big roles off the bench last year. But they're only getting more comfortable in those roles, you'd have to think. So you're saying with a young team, at least that's a positive that you can look at, Wyatt, especially when you're winning, but you can still iron some things out and make adjustments, but you're feeling good, you're confident. You're only going to get better as you head into February. At least that's what Northwestern's saying we hope happens as we move down the stretch. Look at the minutes they're playing. Outside of Hagen, who played 32, the minutes were 24, 23, 22, 20, uh, 20, 19, 18, 18, like, yeah. That's a ton of balance. Everybody's oh, yeah. playing the same amount coming off the bench. Like they, they can go to anybody at any given time is what it seems like. It's a strong nine-player rotation for sure. Those four bench players are not far off of the starters. Yeah, that's a great point. All righty, so the last one on the women's side, Superior Northland. And, uh, you know, I expected Northland to win. I think it is impressive, though, the way – or ex- ex- I expect Superior to win. I, I'm not sure. Did I say Northland or Superior? Am I going you crazy got, here? You got it know. now. You got it now. Okay, Superior I got it. So I did say yes. it wrong initially. <laughs> Superior won the game. I, I got to catch myself there. I expected them to win the game. I, this is really impressive, though, Ryan. And 72 to 38, like it's nothing. Like they, they're just showing no signs of slowing down. It just seems different over there in Superior this year. I don't know what it is, but 72 to 38, I mean, Miranda Wagner did what she could, played literally the entire game, scores 19, but in the end, Northland, they just didn't have the depth to match Superior. And I can tell you, if you shoot 12 for 55, there's your padlock stat, you're not going to win the game. <laughs> 
the padlock stat. I don't know if I've heard that term before. Padlock. So you know stat. where it comes. Do, do, do you know where it comes from? I do not. I'm curious. My my favorite college football analyst, Josh Pate. Okay. He uses it all the time. He says padlock stat. If you have a couple of padlock stats, and what it means is that if, for instance, you shoot twelve for fifty-five, you can guarantee how the result's gonna go. That is a padlock stat. You cannot shoot twelve for fifty-five, one of twenty-three from three, and win the game. You just you can't do it. And that was the problem for Northland. They didn't shoot well. Superior maybe give them credit for their defense for that. But uh, yeah, I just I think it's really impressive what the Yellow Jackets are doing right now. To me, it's them and Northwestern, and Northwestern's a little bit in front of them. That's where I'm at at this point. Yeah, I got that one circled, Wyatt. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I always think back to last year how the schedule's kind of flipped. For teams like Northwestern, they're starting off with a big home stretch. And, I mean, they're going to have two more this week. And so their first five games are going to be at home. They had a bunch of showdowns down the stretch last year that were at home and played more on the road to start the year. These two are first going to see each other in Superior, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. And then on senior day for Northwestern in the second to last weekend of the regular season, then they're going to see the Jackets. So those two matchups are circled for me right now. I couldn't agree with you more. It's super impressive what they're doing. They're not just winning wide. They're winning convincingly. And I know, you know, you can look up and down and say, well, they're deeper. They have more depth than Northland. Yeah, all that is to be said, they still absolutely dominated them with a first-year head coach and a team where we had some question marks going into the year. It's a wide-open year, Wyatt, in the UMAC. And big evidence pointing towards that idea is what Superior is doing. And I'm not trying to take anything away from them whatsoever because they're walking through a door that is open and they're saying, why not us? Maybe it's tough to compare them to Jackets teams of past from three, four, five years ago that were part of that dynasty. But you know what? Who's to say that they cannot be at the top of the ladder on the last Saturday in February, cutting down the nets, taking advantage of this opportunity? And boy, oh boy, what a story that would be, Wyatt for Coach Carpenter and her staff. And quite honestly, if you're a Jacket fan listening to this, dream. I mean, there's no reason you shouldn't. With this team and what the reality is of the UMAC this season, they are definitely more than in the mix. I mean, they're right there at the top, like you said, with Northwestern. They're the 2-3-0 team. So obviously it's early, but we can say that, and I'm circling those matchups. I'm looking forward to when the Eagles see the Jackets. Yeah, so here's where we're at. We got Northwestern and Superior, like you said, both 3-0. and And I think Superior 3-0 and may be a little bit surprising where we were maybe expecting them coming into the year. But Northwestern 3-0, and that's not crazy to think. And then you got North Central Bethany 2-1 and behind them. Again, not crazy. We thought they'd be competing up there near the top. Crown and Northland 1-2, and okay. I would have bought that at the beginning of the year. And then Martin Luther 0-3. I know you didn't necessarily see it going that way. That's not the biggest surprise for me. The real shock is Morris at 0-3, so that's kind of how the standings line up, and uh, obviously Morris can play their way back into the playoffs at this point at 0-3, so with that being the case, the only team that, to me, is is really in trouble is Martin Luther, because, you know, Crown and Northland still one game out, and Morris, knowing what they're capable of, I think they could slide in, so that's where we're at, I think, in my opinion, at this point. When you look at the standings through three games, what jumps out to you the most overall? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you. I mean, the one that just is, you know, highlighted, bolded, italicized is Minnesota Morris. It starts and finishes with them. And, I mean, I picked them at the start. And then when we did the repick and you said, actually, I got Northwestern now in the number one slot, I said, I'm still sticking with Morris. So that one I'm surprised about. But I agree mm-hmm. with you. I mean, this guy isn't absolutely falling. And we talked about them a little bit ago where, yeah, there's a sense of urgency, but don't absolutely panic right now. And then you move from there. And, I mean, Martin Luther, yeah, we'll see if they can get it together. But – it's honestly probably Morris first and then Superior that they're 3-0. and And not that it's been like yeah. an absolute earth-shattering shock, but I still go back to what they did in the first game of the UMAC season. Now, Coach Carpenter and her staff are saying that's just one thing of signs to come, and we're going to have a lot of big wins during the year. But right now, I mean, that's the biggest win. Going into Mankato in your first ever game in the UMAC and absolutely dominating. And I know for people listening, they're like, okay, move on. That happened a month ago. Well, it's one of three games we have to look at, and that one jumps off the page more than the other two results that they have so far. All right, so that's the women's side. I think we're good leaving it there for the recap from this past Saturday. Obviously, there's when there's two games each week, we'll probably have to try and shorten it up for each, you know, 
because I mean we only talked about four yes. games and you can see how in depth we can get so certainly a lot to touch on though and a uh, fun past Saturday no question looking forward to our preview pod when we dive into that too before we hop over to the men's side maybe we want to just throw this out there we love interacting with you if you're listening to the pod feel free to give us a shout out at uao the umac at gmail.com not a shout out but give us a shout at uao the umac at gmail.com and uh, we can uh, answer any questions you have just let us know where you're listening from you can also follow us on twitter we post some content on there including all the links to our podcast as well it's unlike any other the umac find us there as well and again thanks so much for the support of the pod we do appreciate it so if we hop on over now ryan into the men's side oh no you have to do that just so we we can put this aside and move forward maybe since we've mentioned some of the names do we want to just do a real quick update for those who care about the fantasy score because it is it's compelling oh yeah i was I was totally going to bring it up, too, and that was the one thing that skipped over my head. So, absolutely. If you got it pulled up, go ahead. Wyatt, you have a very convincing one-point lead. It is 4.07 to 4.06 overall. I mean, who could have predicted this through the opening two weekends of UMAC play? And uh, my number one overall pick in my uh, preseason pick to win player of the year there's big question marks on if anything of significance is going to happen with that player yeah. the rest of the year. So that that could hurt for me. But I'm going to circle back to what I said a little bit before. I believe I have the best player in the conference, and she was my second pick. So Lexi just Hagen imagine. may have to carry the squad, but it, that could work. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I feel good knowing that uh, there's a lot of uncertainty with your top pick there moving forward. But with that even being the case, I mean, she put up a zero, obviously, this last game, two in the first game. I haven't put up a zero yet, and you're still somehow only one point behind. So you definitely seem to have more depth than I do. I'm not getting the results I'd like from everybody. So uh, time to look in the mirror, get to work. We got 11 games to make this happen, and uh, yeah. Get back to the drawing board. Are you going to call now. out anyone or just? No, I don't. You know, it's a team effort, Ryan. We're not going to get to that point. Don't get me wrong. It's a team effort. But if it gets really bad, I might have to call some people out. But right now, we're okay. We're going to just stay afloat with what we got. And uh, we'll keep uh, grinding. I'll shout out some people, including Mallory Anderson. 11-11 for the line, I believe, this past week. Got 31 fantasy points, so keep knocking those free shots down and doing your thing. So big performance from her. Also 26 from Miranda Wagner. She's doing her thing. So Keep shooting the ball. Well, I was going to say, considering I didn't know who to pick with the uh, number one selection, I'm happy with that, all all things considered. She has been delivering with 76 points. Now Lexi Hagen has her beat for the uh, top score at 84, but she's not far behind. So I would say that worked out, all things considered, early on. I think this is going to be really tight. This is going to be, it will be very compelling down to the stretch, and it's a good thing because you mentioned the predictions. I mean, yikes. 13-11 and 11 for myself, that's that's bad. That's real bad. That is not good. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'd like to say 16-8 and eight is all right, and maybe it is, but I like I said, I'd like that to be better too. I feel like we both got to up our game a little bit here, Ryan, so we got we to gotta dig in and get to work here we got a big chance monster monster weekend coming up 16 games to predict let's let's knock it out of the park i mean we got to set a goal for ourselves here i'd say let's try and get a combined is 25 and 7 too outlandish what do you mean like i have to get to 25 wins both no 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 both of us like with our combined picks yeah 25 and 7 this weekend it feels doable for sure it does and we can we, circle we just, back to that goal in the next pod, but it feels doable. We will. We gotta we gotta better our best. That's that's my line I always use. Our best is not very good right now, so we'll we'll get better. But anyways, on the men's side, quickly before we hop into the uh, recap, since we're on the topic of fantasy, uh, Ryan is winning a lot to a little. I don't think there's much more that needs to be said. My guys have not executed. I put in a great strategy for them this year. I've got the playbook ready to go. This It's a team effort. It's great. But listen, as the coach here, I, I can't go out there and, and play for them. So they got to they gotta start executing. That's all I got to say about that. Anything you want to add about your team's performance so far? That's an excellent message in the huddle. Wide saying to his guys, you know what? I wish I could put the sneakers back on and get out there, but I can't oh. play with you guys. So oh. <laughs> you hey, got to figure I'll, it out. I'll say this. The clipboard has maybe been thrown once or twice, <laughs> but it, and this is a big but. If Kate Carroll ever does come back, and yeah. we're going to talk about that when we talk about crown here, but uh, 
you know, that, that could change things around. Now, I'm in such a hole. Officially, it's 565 to 387. That's that's the score. You're way up on me. That might be too big of a hole at this point, even if Carroll comes back. I'm not sure I can climb out of this, but he, it would go a long way. So still keeping our fingers crossed for that development. And who knows? I, I just want to make it interesting at this point. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, you're calling out your guys, and I'm just going to say job well done to the gentleman on my squad. So let's just keep the train moving along. Let's not get complacent. It's still early. Let's bury Wyatt, okay? Let's make this not even close. So that's that's the message, guys. Keep it up. Job, job well done, and they certainly do uh, deserve a job well done. They are delivering. So with that being said, we will start in Mankato on the men's side. We said uh, TDW, triple-double watch, and uh, well, Nielsen did not uh, get me that uh, there was two triple double watches one for him uh, he ended up with uh, he didn't even get a block in this game so uh, he he did not get the triple double but we did get triple digits the TDW for the Bethany Lutheran Vikings this was never in question 103 to 48 and uh, kind of I, I mean what we expected to a certain extent there was no reaction instant reaction pod needed ryan like we said if martin luther were to win the game uh, more impressed with bethany or maybe a little bit more disappointed with martin luther at this point after this result yeah that's that's a tough question to answer like you said because we saw this coming kind of the thing i honestly mm-hmm. was most impressed with wyatt I mean, what would the over-under have been if we said how many Bethany Lutheran Vikings are going to run to the scores table, check in, and get some playing time? Did you okay, see I how was many gonna guys play no, for them? I, I was going to bring this up. So I know we're recording a little after the fact. I was looking Saturday at the game, and I started to count. I got to count them up again. I believe 19 players scored, I want to say, or 18 or something. It was a ridiculous number. I got to count here. I got uh, 18 guys who scored, but 21 guys yeah. played. 18 I mean, guys scored 21. I or, didn't know you could no, have 21 guys on the – or 20 guys. Yeah, so, yeah, 20, so 20, 20 guys, 20 guys played, 18 scored, yes. I didn't know you could have 15 <laughs> subs in, in a game. Like, I, I'm being serious. You, you laugh yeah. at that or whatever, but I didn't realize that was a real thing. I agree with you. I don't know if <laughs> I, I've I, ever seen that. That would be a stat. That's one of those just random stats ESPN throws up or something. We we got to go back in the archives. Has there ever been a game where, first off, 18 guys have scored for a team in, in the UMAX history or 20 guys have played? Like, unbelievable. So, yeah, they, they were able to do some special things there in this win. And, again, their offense, here's the deal, Ryan. I mean, if, if their offense is on and they play well at home, is there a team right now with some of the other top teams struggling that can beat Bethany Lutheran if their offense is up to par, even, like, on a B-plus day? with their offense yeah if they're b plus like for the duration of a contest no i think they're a wagon i don't think they can be beat and again right right now anyways yes people are going to take this out of context all these loonies said bethany can't be beat it's only january the 10th how short-sighted are they they don't understand umac basketball again like what wyatt said if everyone stays healthy and when we're defining them as a b plus i mean that's like they're shooting high 40 percentages in the field goal department, maybe just a little bit below that from three-point land, and you're going to have to go into Mankato, in that case, Wyatt, and probably score 90-plus, maybe 95 to beat them. In the scenario that we are painting, if they're staying healthy and continuing to do this, they present something that no one else does in the league, period. Yeah. No, they, they the ceiling is the highest for Bethany Lutheran out of all right, the quote, teams quote right MJ, now. Quote MJ. Do you, do you remember one? what he said about the ceiling? The ceiling is the... I do, but I can't remember how he finished it. I totally remember. You're going to have to tell me. The ceiling is the roof. Isn't that what he said? I that's, <laughs> I, I, he that's said. the one That's the one you've used before on this pod, too, I believe. So. Well, and it works, Wyatt, because you remember when we talked uh, with Coach Garvin? He said he was a Roy Williams guy. He's a Carolina guy. Yeah. So I'm sure he's telling that hey. to his guys. Guys, the ceiling's the roof. We haven't got to the roof yet, so let's just keep climbing. Love it. Hey, no, I, I'm excited to see what this team does. Like I said on the women's side, the conference player of the year isn't one in January. Conference isn't one in January either. We got a long ways to go, but they're off to a great start. There's a lot to like. On the flip side, Martin Luther's just going to have to find a way to, to I, I don't know if it's offense, defense. I, again, defense, they're letting more than 90 points a game. They've got to find ways, whatever it takes to get stops. So they, they got a lot of soul searching to do, I guess, is what I would say at this point. 
Yeah, All right. I don't disagree with you. I don't know how much else there is to say on that. No, exactly. It's just one of those things. They just got to take it game by game. They did get a win, uh, actually, yeah. while we're recording this, so that's maybe something to build off of. And uh, they'll have an important stretch coming up, uh, a tough one. Uh, one of the This is probably because Northwestern or Central are traveling partners uh, or where teams play those two on the road. That's probably the toughest road stretch for any team on a weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah, the perception of it maybe changes a little bit, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, yes, you can make a good argument that that's still – really, you can make an argument on both men's and women's side. That's a really tough swing. Okay, so with that being the case, and Bethany's going to go on that swing as well, by the way, uh, next weekend. We'll tell more about that in our preview pod. Superior hosting Northland. They get another nice win at home. Again, shout-out to the boys that joined us on the pod. Appreciate that. And, uh, hey, you know, you remember what Javon Walker said? Reed Johnson, best three-point shooter in the UMAC, best shooter. Hey, 4-9 from deep. So, I mean, that's pretty good. He's staying consistent around that 45% range. Every one of his shots was a three ball. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, if it ain't shooter, shoot, man, shooter, shoot, shoot, amen. <laughs> just keep throwing them up. Why? Why would he even walk inside the three point line? I mean, I heard Wyatt. He just walked three point line to three point line. He never actually took a step inside of the arc. No, I'm just kidding. for 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 him. That's sacred ground inside of there. He's going to stay outside. Exactly. He's got other guys that can rebound and do the dirty work. But in all seriousness, this team is getting more and more production from guys too. Like, I mean, just just the balance overall. I mean, uh, it's good to see, I think, for Superior. And they're showing, again, they can score. Their defense is still really good. They held Northland to 62. And uh, I'm excited to see Superior continue to grow, especially in a year where you could consider the UMAC with some of the other top teams being a down year. Great opportunity in front of Superior here the rest of the way. Yeah, well, I think there's some similarities, honestly, to the woman's side that we talk about for the Jackets. They don't always, you know, jack up a ton of threes in a ball game, but they're super efficient with it. Yeah, we're only going to shoot 16 of them, but when you got a guy like Reed Johnson and other guys that can shoot, 50%. I mentioned earlier this year the big jump that we've seen from them this year from the outside. We've talked about the overall scoring. We talked about a lot of this with Joseph and Javon when we had them on last week. So, again, like you said, appreciate their time. It's not going to look super flashy, but you do this offensively and you have this depth scoring and you continue to do what we know about superior basketball is they're going to dig in defensively and make it really tough. They're going to give themselves a chance to win each and every night, no matter the opponent. Someone definitely who is in the conversation as we move later into this month and into February. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can do on the flip side. Northland, they were 1-1 one one coming into this game. Big game for them. They fall to 1-2. and two. Uh, What are your thoughts on Northland at this point? Again, not really a surprise, I don't think, that they're 1-2. Kind of where we would have had them after three games, I feel like. Yeah, and this is tough, Wyatt, when we don't get to watch all of these games mm-hmm. and we're not totally plugged in with each program because the biggest question I would have looking at this box score He's a guy who's been around the block, really talented. Jordan Brennan only plays 22 minutes in a huge game on the road and only has seven field goal attempts. Well, that Those are those are just the two questions I would have. Why was he not on the floor more? And then he obviously didn't shoot more because he wasn't on the floor. But how, how does he only play 22 minutes? He only had two fouls. I, there could have been an injury, and I just don't know about it, period. So then that's the issue because I mm-hmm. look at his name first before anyone else when it comes to Northland. So you're telling me instead of getting upset at him and like you know bring, throwing the clipboard, I should be talking to Coach Sorensen and asking need what's going answers. on. I need more. I need some more product production here, Coach. You gotta help me out a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's certainly something to keep an eye on. He he was very good for him last year. He's been good at times this year, like you said. I. I, I Hard to say. Like you said, we didn't watch the game. I'll just leave it at that. That, that, that is what it is. We so. can't watch everything, folks. We wish we could. We can't. But the reality of what we're doing, we can only have our eyeballs in so many spaces and places. So Now, if you want to sponsor the pod or you want to <laughs> you know, make this a big thing, we are open to conversation. I mean, we, yeah. we will uh, make it and fit it into our schedule. I mean, we don't look at it as a second job right now, even though it kind of you know is in a certain aspect. I mean, we love to do it. We wouldn't look at it that way if we were getting paid out either but we would certainly uh, treat it that way if uh, that ever came about let's just put it that way so we are open to those discussions I agree and like you said before believe it or not we have other day jobs and then some where we are believe it or not so 
Believe it or not, we do. I mean, absolutely. So, with that being the case, let's hop on down to those Cougars, man. They just keep winning. They keep on growling, prowling. I thought you were going to say something that a Cougar does. They keep on what? (laughs) Growling and prowling. I like it. I like it. That was good on the fly. Look, they keep proving me wrong at this point. And so it's kind of the same question I asked you uh, recently. Is this more about Morris, more about Crown? Are you more surprised, disappointed in Crown, or more impressed with Morris and what they've been able to do? Another win on the road against one of the preseason favorites. I mean, they just continue to deliver time and time again. Yeah, I don't mean this as a cop-out. It's partially both to that question, but what I will say is if we're making a pie chart, because I know you love pie charts, more than Mm -hmm. half of the Mm -hmm. pie is credit to Morris, more than this is a disappointment for Crown. I mean, I don't think we can say it any other way you know, especially when we look at this box score and the balance we had, they have, and you talk about bench scoring and the guys that they're rolling in the ball game and able to do really valuable things off the bench. I mean, they're going as well. We talk about how deep, you know, Northwestern women's is and Bethany on the men's side. I mean, we need to start to talk about it with Morris. It's maybe not that top level scoring or stuff that we talk about with Bethany, but hey. Whatever gets it done for them right now, Wyatt, they're rolling nine strong of guys who can come in there and produce, and we saw it again on the road. They've been on the road to start this whole season, Wyatt. So when I when I talk earlier in the pod about you're not in trouble until you know you're not winning games at home and you can't hold serve there, they've done all this on the road. They're not just 3-0. They've beaten the defending champs, a crown team, like you said, who many people had picked to be right up there at the top, if not the top, when they're fully healthy and they're not. We'll get get to them in a second. But still, all things considered, a game they really felt like they had to have at the WAC, tough place to play, pass that test. And then for a North Central team, too, who's 2-1 and one and has one of the best players in the conference, they beat all those teams to start the year on the road. And especially when I look at my guy, I mean, I'm going to shout him out, Noah Conageezer. He's been good to start the year. wasn't his best performance, Wyatt. He made yeah. just three shots, and they still found a way – to get north of 70, to shoot 47% from the field and 44% from deep, and it wasn't really his game. I mean, a guy who normally would be considered a role player in Jarrett Johnson, ultra-efficient, 15 points to lead the way, 6 of 9 from the field. No one's trying to do too much. They're the epitome of team basketball, and, you know, we got to give them some credit. And I know they're a team who you, rightfully so, have had some, you know, frustrations and questions about, Looking back to last year and what happened with that squad when we felt like there was some talent there and it just didn't come to fruition, I mean, what a coaching job for Coach Paul Grove. He's been around for a long, long time, and there's a lot of season left. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, we talked about it earlier. I don't know how far ago you'd have to look back to think of this opportunity that Morris has in front of them. Now, I know they've gotten to a place late in the year where, you know, against your brother's squad at Northwestern a chunk of years ago, they are in a UMAC final, and they've made it deep into the UMAC tournament before. But the opportunity in front of them, Wyatt, is a really, really good one. And I don't think many people at all, maybe other than those people out west in the beautiful town of Morris, Minnesota, were saying coming into the season, hey, Cougars, when we look at the second week of January, are going to be on top of the standings. Yeah, it's it's quite the story to start this year. And again, I, it's just so impressive because it's not one specific thing they're doing to win the games. It's not one specific player. They're getting balanced. They're winning games in different ways. And uh, the bottom line, they're just winning. Uh, I mean, that's uh, at the end of the day, all you got to do. And, Al uh, Davis so said it best. That's, their, that's what they're going with over at Morris, I heard. They're big fans of Al Davis. Rest in peace. That would that would be something. Hey, we can find out hopefully soon enough. Anyways, just uh, saying, just uh, keep that on the horizon. But uh, anyways, so uh, on the flip side of this, you look at Crown, and, and I gotta ask again. You got the three buttons. Is the analogy you like to use? Where are they at this point? At zero and three, there's still uncertainty about Cade Carroll. I mean, how concerned are you there in St. Bonifacius? Yeah, one and a half or two out of the three red lights are flashing. So not all of them, but it's uh, it's time where you're not really any more comfortable. There's already been a sense of urgency. It continues to be a sense of urgency. But what you have in your back pocket, again, is the ace in the hole in Cade Carroll. And, you know, at some point or another, Wyatt, it's just plain simple. He's got to come back 
or this season's not going to be what they want it to be. And we can, you know, dive deeper into that. What are the details and bullet points behind that? But that's just the reality of the situation. I said Seth had to have a really good game and lead the way. 21 and 10, Wyatt. Didn't leave the floor. 9 and 19. I mean, he's the guy being asked. Is there something more he should have done? Or is it more the other guys? Not that we're going to play this whole big blame game and go deep into this because, again, we're box score hunting. We weren't able to watch the game with our own two eyes. But I feel like he answered the bell. And we haven't always been able to say that necessarily. But I feel like, for the most part, he did his part. Well, and I'd agree. But here's the question I have. And, again, we'd have to go back and look at some of the footage. But uh, And three for nine from three isn't terrible. But they shot 36 threes, right? And they shot more threes than they did twos. Is there a reason they weren't going inside more? I mean, Royston seemed to do pretty well in the paint. Why why are we shooting so many threes? That'd be the question I have. I asked the same thing last week. I mean, when we were talking about him specifically, and it's been a theme before with Crown, I don't know. I mean – I'm trying to remember back to when Northwestern played against Morrison. They're a different size team, so don't get me wrong. But it's not like you think of Morris as the most imposing team defensively in the paint. And I'm not trying to knock Morris because clearly what they're doing is working. Yeah, and they've found ways to win mm-hmm. ball games. But that's just not traditionally what we know about them. But if you want to play you know, the card with Cronwell, it's Seth, who's not a traditional post-up guy. Yeah, he can get into the lane and do stuff, but it's not just feed him the ball on the block and see what happens. I mean, he does things in other ways in the paint. And then without Cade Wyatt, it's just Jacob loves to pull up. You got guards who are good floor-spacing guys, and they like to spread the floor and keep the driving lanes open. But it's not necessarily your most paint-heavy team, but I agree with you. I mean, more three-ball shot than twos for especially a team that struggled from deep. And when they worked out of that last year, it was in large part due to the tear that Cade was on in February. And when you're only shooting 28% from deep, it's a tough pill to swallow when you look back and they watch that game film and maybe start to question. And again, this is tough. So Crown supporters, please do not hear me say that they are bad looks and they're forcing three balls because we don't know. I don't We're know. Just curious. I wish I knew. Just curious. We're just curious. Exactly. And it's a great point that you brought up, Wyatt, and I'm glad you did because if we do start to get Cade back, I want to continue to look at these numbers regardless, but especially if we get Cade back. How much does that change, do you think? Are there less of them being shot because Cade's getting good well, looks at the tin? That's the thing. Even if you're shooting the three well, I don't know if you should be shooting more threes than twos on any given night necessarily. I mean, there's there's very few times I feel like that should be happening regardless. So, yes, I, I think Cade can get to the rim, and I think uh, other guys, again, Royston's good down low. Maybe that'll be something they start to do more. Again, didn't watch the game. Just curious why they're shooting more threes than twos, and we'll see where it goes from here. But Crown has definitely got some soul-searching to do themselves if they want to uh, turn this, like you said, into the type of season that uh, they thought they could have at the beginning of the year. From one... Go ahead. You're good. No, go ahead. If you got something else, six, then say, I'm going off of that game. All I was going to say is the other little things are fine. It, without him, they're not pressing too much. They didn't even turn the ball over 10 times. The free throw number sticks out to me, but like everything yeah. else is adding mm-hmm. up. It's not like they turned the ball over a bazillion times and had to shoot their way back into the game. It was a close game. So it's not like they totally got blown out of the water and just were chucking threes to stay in the game. I don't think that's what happened. So from one team that had high aspirations to another that always does, Northwestern, a game you saw, taking on North Central, and North Central won, but the way they won, I think, is what really stands out and pops off the chart. I'll do what I did on the women's side when we came to Northwestern because you called the game, you were there. What did you see? Yeah, not, not exactly the way I saw this thing uh, playing out, to say the least, Wyatt, and just more questions. I mean, you and I have talked off the mic, and your you know, prelude into that was really good about a team in the past, what we've seen from Northwestern, what we're seeing this year. It's just It seems like we are just have more and more questions that we're trying to figure out and trying to answer. And I know it's early, and we're only sitting here in the second week of January, and there's a lot of ball left, and all those things remain true. But what sticks out about Northwestern, Like I was saying earlier, what does your schedule look like to start the year? For Northwestern, it's five straight home games to start the year. They're three out of five games in. They got a really tough one at home coming up on Saturday, and then Friday is basically the complete opposite. I mean, if there's a get-right game, it feels like it could be Friday. We'll talk about that one in the next pod. 
when you drop two out of your first three at home, there are, you know, eyebrows that are raised across the conference when it comes to Northwestern. Now, I didn't look back in the history of this, but I was asking myself Saturday watching this, Wyatt, how many times, if you just had to guess, and I wish I knew the answer to this, I don't, in Coach Gross's tenure at Northwestern for what they've done in the last chunk of time, he's in his 23rd season. For those of you who don't know, head coach for Northwestern, Tim Gross. I mean, how many times do you think, what would be your guess for at Northwestern in his tenure, how many times they've lost two of their first three home UMAC games? I, I'm thinking about well, I was like gonna it say, can't I mean, be more than once or twice at ha, most. Has it ever happened besides? Yeah. I mean, that, that'd be the first thing I would ask. Just And again, I don't know his earlier coaching years by any means, but from the time that we've been watching, it's never happened. Yeah. So, huh, yeah, that's that's a way to look at it. Just kind of rarefied error right now. So so why is that the case, though? What's been happening to lead to this point? Did this past weekend reveal anything else to you that could be a problem for Northwestern moving forward? Yeah, this one felt a lot different than Morris, if that helps. So they lost to Minnesota Morris, second game of the conference season, back on December the 10th. Northwestern had a really good first half. We're doing basically anything they wanted offensively. They hit a low. Morris had a fantastic second half to win that game. I'm not trying to take anything away, but it was like 90-83, to 83, I believe, in that matchup. I mean, this one, Wyatt, everything is so tough to come by for Northwestern offensively. I mean, this is what I was thinking, too, especially going into the locker room. When's the last time in UMAC play Northwestern scored 26 or fewer in a first half? I mean, that was like, I, I had flashbacks thinking to, uh, um, I don't know if you remember this one, the one you and I called back in, this would have been 2019 February. No, no, no. I remember 2020 it. February. I'm sorry. 21 February before everything hit the fan. The semifinal against Scholastica. That bizarre yep. night. And where oh, we I remember. What's happening. Yeah. Um, I was like, what's going on? But at the same time, they're only down by seven. But they just could never really shoot themselves out of it or find a way. Here's the thing that's tough for me, Wyatt, okay? The offense looks different for Northwestern in a way because it was going to have to when you don't have Noah Alm out there. You don't have, you know, other starters like Waldeck and Borma. It's just going to look different, especially Noah Alm. He's the biggest one, okay? But it still felt like coming into the year, like we talked about, there's still plenty of talent there. We talked about the the end-of-the-shot clock, end-of-game stuff, but you got – Kyle K. Mink, and you got Caleb Hoyling and Henry Fonboulet. Those are the captains and other guys to fill in. It feels like there's enough guys there, okay, if you want to put it that way. It's tough to get the same driving downhill that they've been able to do so, the dominance at the free throw line that they've had, getting there a lot, making a lot of shots, another weird stretch where they're just missing free throws. But then the big thing that glares out again, and I've seen this, I don't know, two or three times this year at the Erickson Center, missed looks left and right from downtown on like good offense getting a paint touch kicking it out quick reversal wide open in the corner miss miss everyone on the bench stands they're waiting for the momentum change missed a three ball it's just like when they have to have a bucket to turn the tide to halt the momentum for the other side they're doing everything right but they're not making the open look out of those 21 three ball attempts they had saturday i mean I'd say at least 14, 15, 16 of them are close to B-plus, grade-A chances, like really good looks, not forced at all. There were very few forced, like end of shot clock, they're just throwing it up or a guy is walking into a three ball. Almost all of them are really good looks. So some of that, it's like, how do you explain that? It's just the talent, not they're not as good. I mean, I'd say Kyle's not even at 90%, and he kind of looked like he nicked some stuff during the game. So he played after missing the last game. He looked good in warm-ups. He looked good early, but he did a few things in the first half, and then especially, I don't know what it was, nine, ten minutes left in the game, he came down after a rebound, and you could see him grabbing down at his left leg, and I don't want to play doctor, but it's tough. The guy's dealt with a lot, and he's not at 100% right now. So I hope he can get better soon. But it's not the same for him with him getting downhill, what we've seen so often, living at the free throw line, finishing through contact, accepting and willingly taking on contact. I mean, there's just not as many opportunities for him to do it. It's not that he's like shy and saying like, eh, I just don't feel like it. I'm just going to keep hucking up jump shots. It's just not the same rhythm. It's not the same spacing and room for Northwestern. But even to that point, Wyatt, I keep saying they have a ton of good looks that are going by the wayside. I'm going to shut up here in a second about Northwestern. But it's crazy, Wyatt. I shouldn't say crazy. I don't like to use that word. 
it's kind of hard to fathom we've gotten to a point. And I'm not trying to knock on these guys at all. Believe me. Like, I believe in both of them a lot. They're two really good ball players. But it's gotten to a point, especially in the second half of this game. The first option, I mean, I think point blank obvious right now for Northwestern to find something is Henry Fambule. Whether it's getting him on the block or the ball is just reversing, he's not hesitating at all. If he was open for a mid-range jump shot, baseline, elbow extended, whatever it would be in the second half, he's just taking it. Because he's like the only guy who feels like he's in rhythm and can put it up from any spot and you think it has a good chance of going in. And then the other guy is Caleb Hoyling. They've been the best two players over the last, you know, stretch of games, four or five games. I don't think there's any question about it. And you're saying it's one of these guys who's got to get really hot. And Caleb had some nice finishes, and they're very capable guys. Don't get me wrong. But they're also like power forward, small forward types, center types, I guess, if you want to label it in that group. So it just doesn't it doesn't feel the same way as a guard, as a point forward type of a thing. And you're like, it's, it's coming down to Hoyline and Fambule, really. And again, I don't want to rip on those guys at all because Henry was super efficient, and you could argue why this is crazy, but it, it feels like it, honestly. He shot the ball 19 times. You could argue he should have shot it 25 times on Saturday with what he was able to do and what he's done over this last stretch. And then for Caleb, he's been you know on a heater over the last stretch as far as scoring goes. So that's just a bunch of gobbledygook nothing. I have a lot to say about North Central because I don't want to spend too much time on Northwestern, just a couple bullets to hit. But before we get to North Central, is there anything you want to add to that with trying to figure out the, the mystery that is Northwestern men's basketball right now? Well, we've already spent a lot of time on Northwestern, so I, I, I understand we want to we want to get to North Central. But here here's the deal. All I'll say about Northwestern is you mentioned you know the team with Alm and even Waldeck last year back when they played Scholastica and, and you know that crazy night back in that would have been 2021. I think you mentioned it felt different when that team was down seven points versus when this team gets down, doesn't it? And I think yeah. that says a lot uh, about, I mean, that right there. That's really all that needs to be said. I don't know what it is. You don't really see this team as a team that's really going to be able to fill it up consistently. So I, I don't know what it is specifically. Again, you were there. You got to see it. I didn't uh, in person by any means. Uh, I, I will say Henry Fambule is continuing to do uh, what he can and doing his thing and like you said Hoyleen I mean he was efficient five for 11 and I mean they only turned the ball over 10 times I mean overall from the box score standpoint it wasn't that bad they just didn't make shots and I mean give North Central credit coming in on the road and a game and a place where they've probably uh, been told that you're not going to win at you're not going to have much success there and uh, they come and get a 10 point win convincingly and uh, hold them to 54 points it's pretty impressive so on the North Central side of things you remember the number we said Micah Filer was going to have to score to win this game I think it was more than 15 points so what does that say about his surrounding cast and what they were able to do pretty impressive yeah I almost want to start on the defensive side of the ball I mean they sent a message early in this game and it continued throughout off the catch whether it be Fuquay setting up the offense and hitting you know Hoyling off a ball screen or Kyle Kamek they were so physical Eagles didn't have room to breathe in that normal you know opportunity whether it's in an iso spot or with ball movement to say i got this room to go baseline or go into the middle of the lane they were really physical and you know barring on some of it you would start to say like well maybe they're getting a little too handsy but why what do we talk about all the time in the game of basketball if you're a head coach and a coaching staff and you come into a game like that and that's the scouting report i applaud you for saying we're going to figure out how physical we can be on the catch and on our all ball on ball defense excuse me we're going to find it out in the first five minutes and I'm not trying to act at all yeah. like this was a street fight and this was them being super physical with Northwestern and the rest just threw their whistles away and it was out of hand. It wasn't that by any stretch. Don't get me wrong. But their physicality and their ability to not give Northwestern room offensively really set the tone in this game. Okay? Now switching to the offensive side of things. Yeah, all the credit in the world that it didn't have to be Micah. He wasn't putting up as many shots as I thought he would early. He, he got into a stretch where he hit a couple threes and started to – you know, get going a little bit, but it was a really balanced attack, moving the ball around the horn. Tanner Holtman deserves a ton of credit for what he did in big spots when he was open, shooting it with confidence, not hesitating, 4-7 or seven from downtown. That was big time. One guy I got to shout out big time wide, okay? Doesn't maybe show up in the box score where you're blown away. Cam Thomas plays 35 minutes, 13 points, 9 boards, only shot the ball 9 times, made 1-3. Doesn't seem like it's, you know, anything fantastic. His nope. engagement level 
with what he was trying to do against Henry and others and offensively what he was doing, how involved he was, stuff I haven't seen so far in his career. I don't know what happened before that game or if it's been throughout the season and I just haven't seen it, but all the little things that he was doing, I have not seen that Cam Thomas yet in a Ram uniform, and he's a big difference when he's that player. And We talk about a true number two and number three from there to help out Micah Filer. He had the supporting cast, and I think that's the biggest story of this one. And it's not even like Micah had a bad game. I don't want to act like that's the case. But you and I thought, I think I even said 30-burger. You said 25, and we said somewhere around that number. It may have to be 30. The fact that he why not only just gets 15, but they win by 10. They win yeah. comfortably, and he only scores 15. Well, and, and again, I feel like a lot of that prediction from us, though, came from thinking of the Northwestern teams of the past. We can't treat them like the team they are nope. this year. They, they're they not going to fill it up and score as much as they're used to. So we thought this was going to be a shootout. In reality, we should have been looking to this being closer to the actual result it was. Yeah, I don't think I would have ever predicted Northwestern scoring 54, to be honest. So, I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, you're right. We, we have to look at them differently, and... Yeah, I mean, Coach Becker, you're totally right with what you told me after the game, and it was bulletin material for you guys, if you want to put it that way. I was totally off base, and I'm I'm super impressed with the win and what he did in his first game as a head coach at Northwestern. I mean, that, that's got to feel real good for him in that program, and you mentioned in the history what we've seen, especially with them in that building. I think I looked it up, and I uh, think this number is correct. I believe there was 32 matchups coming into that one. Northwestern was 30-2 and two over North Central. Last time the Rams won was 2016 in the Erickson Center in James. Huh. So it just it just doesn't happen normally, and especially the way that they did it. Like, you take notice, I take notice, people who follow the league take notice, and you can you know be sure that coaches around the league looking at that score later Saturday said, huh, okay, what do we got here? Because Morris put up 90 on them, and that was a different game, but now someone yep. totally stonewalled Northwestern. Like, there's there's something a-brewing right now. Let's put it this way. Opportunity does not wait for those who are unprepared. And there's an opportunity right now, I think, for the rest of the conference. What teams are prepared to take it? Are you quoting we'll someone, or is, we'll that, is that your quote? Opportunity does not wait for those who are unprepared? I'll uh, leave you wondering in, in a mystery. Because well, that's a good uh, one. Because why, not if that's reveal. not someone, you should trademark that. That's good. Print up some T-shirts. I don't even know where to begin with trademarking that. So I, you know, if somebody wants to steal it, go ahead. I'm a thief of great sayings and ideas myself. So, okay. So here's where we're at on the men's side with, with uh, you know, three games in. Uh, kind of like on the women's side, we got a couple on beans, Bethany and Morris. Morris is a surprise in my opinion. I think you're a little surprised 3-0 as well. But, I mean, hey, give them credit. They've played some great basketball. North Central Superior behind them at 2-1. and Northwestern one and two, Northland one and two, and then Crown zero oh and three, Martin Luther zero oh and three. So surprising uh, results maybe for some of the top teams like Northwestern and Crown to have a losing record at this point. Every team pretty much I would say though outside of again Martin Luther on the men's side this time uh, really in the mix still to get a playoff spot. That's kind of where we're at. So we'll see how it shapes up and an important two games for each and every team in the conference coming up this weekend to really uh, start to gain some progress and momentum moving forward. Looking forward to it. That's for sure. I am as well. And uh, we'll save that for, for a future pod, but it's, it's different now because we get back to the grind of the back to back. And like you said earlier, Wyatt, I mean, we got to change how we look at this as well, but Hey, I mean, we're going a little deeper in this one, I guess, because there was only the one game to look at. Well, with that being the case, uh, any closing thoughts from you? You can take us out if you want. I don't have anything else. Like I said, it was a fun uh, Saturday. Lots of uh, results, surprising results that we saw. And uh, it was just kind of interesting to see the shift, I think, both on the men's and the women's side a little bit. And if uh, it, it continues to happen, I mean, we'll, we'll learn a lot more after two more games this upcoming weekend. But it kind of has the sense that we're in for a season uh, in the UMAC we have not seen in quite some time, if ever. Yeah, some would call it unlike any other, and I'll you know mm. circle back to what you said earlier in the pod, White. We should maybe, trademark that. <laughs> we should. Maybe uh, you're not quite there yet, like you said earlier, but after this coming weekend, I mean, I think we can start to separate the C's and the P's, the contenders and the pretenders. Maybe that'll happen. After to be, next weekend, right? Yes, maybe when yeah. we talk, mm-hmm. you know, ended next weekend, early next week to recap uh, week three action. Maybe that'll have to be a little thing that we do. Who's a pretender at this point and who's a true contender? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm in. I'm game for that, and I think uh, that is appropriate by the time we uh, we have that going on by you know the next time two games are complete because. At that point, we're almost at the midway point. Uh, you yeah. should have a pretty good idea at the midway point uh, who who is and who isn't. Absolutely. Congrats to your dogs. We don't have to talk about it, but I'm just telling you, congrats. Mm. I know you were nervous, and it's not it's not TCU's <laughs> fault. I feel bad for TCU. It's not their fault that they were in the national championship, but they and you could disagree. They, what they a weren't... statement! It's not their fault they were in the natty. <laughs> It's not their fault they were in the saying. natty and had to get embarrassed like that. Like, I, I mean, it really, I didn't think it'd be 65 to 7, nor did anybody, <laughs> but I had the sense it was going to be a blowout. They just, they didn't belong. They they, they didn't. I, I, and we'll talk about this off the air maybe, but they were not the second best team in college football this year. So props to them for winning the games they did to get there. They deserve to be there. But again, I feel bad that they had to go through that. And it was ruthless that Kirby decides to uh, go for it up 45. I think it was in the fourth quarter like that, but uh, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. You, you want to be on the big stage. You want to be on the big stage. Let's, let's show you just how far you got to come. Well, I hope you enjoyed it, and most Georgia fans are saying that we're just getting I, started. But you never know what the future holds. That's what I'll say. So I hope you enjoyed it. I I did. I feel bad because nobody else did. Like, uh, as a Georgia fan, I did. There's not a single person outside of the Georgia fan base that enjoyed that last night. And they're like, we got robbed of, you know, if that's national championship, what a joke. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I told you uh, a while back, I want a close game, you know, at, at certain times. I want to feel some stress. I got that with Ohio State. Yeah, I, I enjoyed every single minute of this thoroughly, and uh, it was it was very fun to take in. And who says the three peats out of the question? I I think they'll be favored to go for the three peat next year. All eyes turn to Carson Beck. That's the last thing I'll say. Hey, on that. There you go. Take us out. Take us out. Yeah, the Vikings. That's the team we're all rooting for now. Skull. All you Mac fans across the land, Skull. Yes, indeed. Uh, looking forward to following them for this long. Well, actually, <laughs> actually, R.I.P. Though for our superior in Northland. Uh, teams with uh, Green Bay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Losing, we, we losing, shed, you know, we consider, shed a little you tear. Watching, be watching a little bit, be a little bit more field. considerate, Ryan. Yep. yep. I mean, you know, they they're cheering for. Uh, you know, you got <laughs> you got Jamison Williams asking him for the jersey after the game. I, I got. He says I gotta keep this one. Uh, it's, it's too good, but yeah, it was it was even. Well, it was just even better that they lost the game because, you know, in part, it was basically his his fault. I mean, he didn't yeah. deliver again through a costly interception. The Lions are out here running trick plays, throwing laterals to DeAndre Swift on second and 17. Nothing to lose. Love it. Love that. Love that it was the Lions, too. Can't, can't get any better. The roar has been restored, as our guy likes to say. I, I feel better about the Lions than I have in a long time about what yeah. the future holds. I will say it was impressive what they did this year and the turnaround they had. So who knows? This is where I've gotten to in this pod. For all you Lions fans out there, congratulations. We happens we, quickly. Why, why didn't I appreciate it? Like seriously, you know, we're very thankful. So so thank you for that. We do appreciate the it. conversation turns quickly. For the most part, we did a great job tonight. It was just right here at the end. We just couldn't quite close it out. So I'll turn it over to you again, and you can take us out. I'm done. All right. All right, sounds good. Uh, as Wyatt mentioned earlier, if you want to get in touch with us, Twitter, email, you know the handles, UAO, the UMAC at gmail.com, or just search that on Twitter. We always love to hear from you. More content coming your way this week as we look ahead at the compelling slates and make more of our official predictions for what will be week three of UMAC play. And we're trying to do some other stuff as well. And we dropped some hints earlier on, so I'm not going to drop another hint right now. But just keep your eyes on the podcast feed, as you always do. We so appreciate your support, and we're looking to continue to raise this thing to the next level, the next level. Better our best, as Wyatt said earlier, I believe. I want to quote some other football coach and what he has to say about your best. And I'll just stick with what Wyatt said. So with that, uh, we will be back on here shortly. Plenty to talk about right now in the UMAC. We, we really do think it truly is unlike any other.